You're listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. And welcome to a special bonus episode of At Home with Walkie MC. We're glad that you joined us today. This is a little bit different uh, type of episode. We're sitting in studio on a Saturday and not a Tuesday like we normally uh, record. And not sitting in the room today is Angie Brenneman. And not sitting in the room today is Brant Nine. So I'm Chris Knight. I'm senior pastor here. But I've invited a special guest to join me this Saturday, all the way from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, uh, Eric Swan is a friend. We've known each other for several years now. We participated in a discipleship uh, network together and became friends, started coaching different churches from around the nation. And uh, I've invited Eric up to our church to speak this Sunday. So by the time this episode airs, uh, he will have spoken on Sunday morning here at Walkie MC. So if you're interested in catching up with that episode, simply go back to our website, walkiemc.org, and you can catch the Sunday service and you can catch up with Eric at that point. But Eric, welcome to to our studio. We're glad that you joined us. Thanks for making the drive all the way from the great <laughs> state of Tennessee. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Thanks, Chris. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be with you guys and uh, thankful for Walkie MC. Thankful for you and thankful for this opportunity. So thanks for having me. Yes, you're welcome. We're, we're glad you took advantage of it. So this morning, what I want to talk about is church planting. That's yep. really what you're doing uh, yep. there in, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Uh, you are coming out of a church world, an established church world. Uh, you mm-hmm. were at Believer's Chapel, uh, is, and that was actually in Murfreesboro Correct. as well, right? Yes. And uh, you had been sitting there. Tell us about your role that you played there at that church. Yeah, yeah. So I had been attending there since 2000. Um, had been a believer for a few years. That was my senior year in high school slash freshman year in college. Started attending there. Uh, started volunteering with the youth not that long after that. And then um, came on staff. Um, I don't remember exactly when that was, uh, like 2006 or so. Came on staff, uh, part-time youth pastor, was going to seminary. So from that point on, from 06 till, oh man, um, maybe 2019, uh, was youth pastor and then transitioned to an executive pastor role was the executive pastor there um, trying to figure that role out we hadn't had an executive pastor before so I was the first one to do it kind of making it up as I go gotcha. did that job um, through the pandemic and all that sort of stuff before God called me to uh, plant a church Nice. So you're sitting in an established church Mm -hmm. that you had grown up a good portion of your life in, Yep. and now you find yourself uh, feeling like the Lord's opening a door Mm -hmm. to plant a church. Yep. How did that that come about? Yeah, it was good. Um, So it had become really clear, um, you know, just like every church, I think we go through the pandemic and things change and it's difficult. And God had been stirring some stuff before that, but I think, you know, once the pandemic hit, we all kind of buckled down, right? Head down, uh, moving forward, accompl- operating in a way we'd never operated before, trying to do things differently, uh, creating more ways to reach out to people and connect with people. As we were coming out of that um, end of 2020, it just became clear. I, there wasn't a moment as much as it was just a consistent God letting me know, hey, time here is done. Um, I was really sad and scared, honestly, about that because I'd I hadn't, 
Chris, I don't think I had a resume when I got hired at Believers. I'd, I had to go look at a resume that I'd worked on probably 10 years before that just because someone told me to work on a resume. So I'm like, I don't even know what this means. I don't know um, what – am I moving my family, my two little kids, and uh, my wife? Are we moving somewhere? Uh, I don't <laughs> – I've been in ministry for a long time. I have no other hireable skills, <laughs> right? I totally get that. <laughs> yeah. If so, I wasn't doing this, I have, I have no idea what people would hire me to do. Yeah, Like I can stand up in front of people and talk and hang out with people. Is that a job? Yeah. Is, is, um, is drinking coffee? Is, right. is that yeah, a critical skill set these days? Exactly. If so, I excel. I do that a lot. Um, so, so I, you know, just started into that process and uh, talked to my wife. We prayed through it. So late 2020, right in January 2021, um, I reached out to Luke Yetter, a friend of ours, who at that point was the uh, executive director of the Relational Discipleship Network, which is where we met, that network. Mm-hmm. And I just said, hey, man, I know you're connected to a lot of churches. I feel like my time at Believers is coming to a close. I feel like God's called me to be a lead pastor. I really do believe that. Um, there's a longer story there with how I kind of come to know that. And I just said if you know of any churches that are looking to hire a pastor that are either committed to making disciples in relationship the way that Jesus did it or looking to shift their church to do that, I'd love to um, have an opportunity to interview one of those churches. That's all I knew at that point. Sure. Um, so Luke, in his wisdom, said, okay, um, I'm about to be with some churches at a training. I'll keep my ear open for that. He said, have you ever thought about planting a church? Is that a possibility? And so my story with being a church planter is that's the first time I'd thought about it. I mean, I had thought thought about it in the way I think anybody in ministry does about what it would be like to be a part of a church plant. But I, a lot of other church planter friends that I have always knew they were going to plant a church. That was never me. I didn't think about it until I thought about it. And Luke said that, and I was like, well, maybe. I don't uh, no, not really. Let me let me talk to my wife, see if that's even an option for us. Because he knew of some churches that were looking to plant churches. So I, I, I reached out. I mean, I, me and Molly talked about it. We were both praying about it. And we just, it was the strangest thing, Chris. We had peace about if God called us somewhere else, that was fine. We'd trust him in this process. But the idea of going somewhere else to plant, had n- I'm talking no peace about it. It felt wrong like almost morally wrong to do it. So it was like, well, we're not going to do that. In the meantime, so where I live um, is in the Walter Hill area of Murfreesboro. It's technically in Murfreesboro, but right outside of city limits is an area called Walter Hill. My wife go, uh, worked at Walter Hill School. My kids went to Walter Hill School. We started to fall in love with this community and didn't really feel like it's a really fast-growing area. Um, there's some churches there. They're kind of older established churches that aren't really trying to reach out to the community. We didn't feel like they were trying to reach out to the community. At, at Believers Chapel, we had made some inroads in the local schools in our area, and we're trying to do some outreach. And my wife multiple times had kind of bemoaned, like, man, there's no one. I wish someone was trying to do that here. There's no one yeah. really trying to reach out. That's about It's about 20 to 25 minutes away from Believers Chapel. So I'm, I'm living in this community. It really feels like I'm living in one part of the community, working in another part of the community, ministering in one part, and living in another part, right? Mm-hmm. And I, we were in a conversation one night, my wife, Molly, and I, and I just said, man, if only we could plant a church in Walter Hill. And it was like I said it, and I was like, oh, I have to do that. <laughs> okay. And 
she was like, do you think we can do that? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Cause my, again, my plan at this point was to leave Murfreesboro. That was, I, I didn't know another way to, to do what God was calling me to do, but to leave. I was like, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, and by the way, stop me at any point. If you're like, you're taking the story where no, it, I've got questions. It's very so. interesting. Yeah. I, I will interrupt. <laughs> I have a couple of questions I am thinking, but I want to hear a little bit okay. more about that. So I, I reached out to Luke again. At this point, no one knows that I'm going through this process except for my wife and Luke Yetter. <laughs> There's only two people in my life that know this. So I reached out to Luke just to get some wisdom. And I was like, I think this is what God's calling me to do. And he said, okay, stop. Don't tell another person. Go tell your pastor and tell your elders. Mm-hmm. I waited another week or two. I talked to my wife some more. We prayed about it some more. And as you know this, sometimes... This has been my experience. we got little kids. We're both working. We're both busy. Praying about it looks like us praying about it individually. And then, like, while we run past each other in the house, like, what are you hearing from the Lord? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, I'm, I think we got to do this. And I was like, I think we have to do this, too. And so um, I came to my pastor, came to Barry and the elders. I came to Barry first and said, hey, Barry, this is what God's calling me to do. <clears throat> that was in March, I believe, of 2021. Oh, 20. Yeah, 2021, and came to, we we took it to the elders the next week, and just, uh, my first question was like, do you guys see this in me? Mm-hmm. Do you believe in this call? I trust your discernment. I trust your wisdom. I'm under your leadership. Do you trust this? They all said, yeah, we see that. I mean, right off the bat, uh, Chris, I can't begin, like, I'll get... Mm. just like any transition, the transition wasn't easy. Um, but to start, when I mean, they sent me in the middle of the room and laid hands on me and prayed for me wow. in that first meeting. Yeah. Um, I kind of walked down, set my car and cried for a little bit. Like I'll never forget. I stood in the backfield behind the church, just nervous as I'll get out to have this meeting. Cause these guys are going to be blindsided by this again. I'm not having prep conversations with all the elders, right? Trying to prime the pump. I'm, I'm just like, this is where I am. So that was March, maybe early April at that point. Um, I said, I'm on whatever timeline you guys want to put me on. Um, I'm asking you to send me. The church Believer Chapel at that point had been around for 40, um, 43 years, no, 42 years. We hadn't planted a church. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to do something I don't know what to do, and I'm asking you to do something that you don't know what to do. I'm submitting to your leadership. You guys do what you want to do. Um, and... Long story short, a couple months later, came they came in June and said, okay, here's the plan. We're going to um, pay your salary the rest of the year. We're going to transition you out, um, give you the next however many months it takes to transition your responsibility to others. And once we sign off on you've done that, then you're free to work on the plant, and we'll still pay you through the rest of the year. Wow. So that's how they sent me. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that's long story short. Like Again, I never thought. Never, ever thought that God was going to call me to plant a church. So in many ways, you were at the point where you felt like, in order to plant a church, I need to leave this Mm -hmm. area. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
two thoughts on that. One is, I think we get to that point and we say, does Murfreesboro, Tennessee need another church? <laughs> right. You know, we've talked about this in our area. You know, when we get to a certain size, our desire is to plant a church rather than to continue to see how big we can grow. Because our, our hope here is not to see how big we can grow. We want to impact people for Jesus Christ. Um, and see them mature into a relationship with him where they start to disciple and and lead other people to Christ. That's our goal. It's not to see how many people we can get and not live in relationship with them. Right. So so part of that says, where are you going to do this? Uh, But the second part is, isn't it interesting that we often feel like we have to go somewhere else where we have no relationships already and start from scratch, and that equals church planting, rather than taking the relationships you already have and begin to say, anybody want to try something new, start something new, birth something new into our community that's healthy and growing? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Thoughts on that? And so, yeah, I'll say this. um, um, A couple of the elders were... As we had some of these conversations, there was concern. Believer Chapel's a couple hundred people. So whereas a lot of churches that send a church, send somebody to go plant, they're like, hey, here's a hundred people to go plant right. a church with you, which is like, we're not planting, like, in my opinion, it's like, we're, we're sending a new church out, right? Right. Um, I, we took uh, eight people mm-hmm. total, four couples. <clears throat> and I was like, these are the people, this is all we've talked, and that's all we talked to. And one of the elders out Again, we're really appreciative. He just said, "Like, hey, we're this is a kingdom. People will go. People will stay. Doesn't that's not right. really what we're trying to um, control here." Um, so yeah, there. I was sitting at a coffee shop talking to a pastor friend of mine, outside of the elders, uh, and Barry and my wife and Luke Yetter. He's probably the next person to know because he's a guy that I, I value a lot. He understands relational ministry. It's a pastor friend of mine in town. He's always pursued this. Um, really, kind of started putting language on this mm-hmm. for me before I um, knew about the Relational Discipleship Network. And so, he said the same thing to me. He said, "Does Murfreesboro need another church?" And honestly, we don't. There's a lot of them. And I said, <clears throat> I sat there for a second because I was kind of shocked. I just thought he'd be like, "Good job, buddy," you know. <laughs> but he challenged me, which. He does, so I appreciate him doing that, but I didn't want that right then. Yeah. And I just said, um, and this isn't a shot at other churches, so if you hear that, then no, it's not. He said, um, does Murfreesboro need another church? And I said, we don't need another church that does things, does programs really well. We don't. We got a lot of those. But I think we need another church that invests in relationships and values people over programs and, and invests into uh, small groups and life groups and building that way. It makes that the thing. And he sat there for a second. He's like, you're right. You got to do this. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Help, help me with your question. I yeah, think I, no, I think no, I, I think you did. So let me ask there. you, let me ask you a couple of follow-ups. Yeah. And so you have a church that's established and it's a church made up of small groups at this point. Uh, you are, you are still pre-launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is coming up. We'll get into that in just a minute. Yeah. So what's the name of your church? Restoration Church. Why that? Um, so we really, I believe one of the things that, that God had started to kind of pull my heart towards in our area is in the Bible Belt where we live, there are very few people that are just unchurched. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got some sort of church experience. The hard thing is that most people's church experience hasn't been great. There's church hurt for sure, but most people that I've met, there was church apathy. Like right. I, I'd grown up in church, 
went to church with mom or dad or grandma and uh, it was fine, but I don't really need it. And I would just be really burdened with what I believed would, what I really believed is that if people would experience the family of God, the people of God, the church of God, the way that God intended for the church to function, and if they knew him in relationship, they couldn't walk away uh, and that it was worth everything. So restoration, the reason we did rest, the reason that, that God called us to name the church Restoration Church was because our, our, our mission statement is restoring people into relationship with God and one another and purpose. Mm-hmm. We really believe that, um, that, it's, that it is all about relationship, that, that God does not just intend to give us eternity with him in heaven while that's true. That eternal life is about knowing a person, John seventeen three. Mm-hmm. This eternal life that they would know my Father and the Son whom He sent, right? And that He's called us to live in a relationship um, of loving one another, and that that's that's the foundation of, of what He's what He's calling us into. Um, I know so many people who would call themselves Christians, and I believe are they've placed their faith in Jesus, but they just don't know what's out there for them. They have no idea the community they've been called to live in. They have no idea the relationship with God they're called to have and that God makes available to them. It's almost like I got saved and now I just either work hard for God or I check the box going to heaven. <clears throat> and so um, that's a that's a big part of, of the name restoration. It's it's intended to we are trying to restore people into relationship with God and, and each other and purpose. So that's your m- mission in Correct. many ways. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I've been in, intrigued by is your method. Uh, I've appreciated this. We as a church have been watching you from a distance. Uh, Actually, to be very candid, you shared with us a lot of your paperwork Uh on how you were going about doing this, and and we've been taking note of it. Uh, I like that your main method is not trying to figure out how to gain a Sunday morning audience quickly, but you really went to work on building a foundation that's based on relational discipleship. Why did you choose that? versus just saying, let's see how many people we can pack in a room. Let's play some music. Let, let's uh, open the word and send people home. Yep. All right. So um, the, the the simplest answer is because the Bible tells me so, right? Uh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. That's what Jesus did. Yeah. Um, it's also what the early church in Acts did. It's what Paul did. Um, you see right there in Acts 2, Peter preaches a sermon. Thousands come to faith, which would be great. Um if a thousand people showed up tomorrow at restoration, when we launch services, if a thousand people, that's great. But what they start doing is just living life together. And I, I'm, I'm firmly believe they just started doing that because that's all they knew. Because that's all Peter and the other apostles, that's all they saw Jesus. Like, I don't really know what to do next, but let's, I guess let's just start living together and sharing things and teaching and breaking bread and going from house to house. Because that's what we did with Jesus and we don't really know another way to do it. We know we don't want to do what the, what religion does. And right. just like see you back here next Sabbath. Um, that is, <clears throat> that's the core of what we want our church to be and what we believe God's called. I believe God's called every church to be, but I know he's called my church to be, our church to be, is a church that's that's built on um, the relationships in the community. There's, what is it, 89 one another commands in scripture that we can't live out if we're not in relationship. We can't be obedient to God if we're not in real relationship with people where we can actually love one another, where we can speak the truth to one another in love. I, 
I can't tell you, I don't know what percentage it is, but it's low of believers that I know who have relationships that they can speak the truth to one another and love in. Well, there's a whole, there's a set, there's a passage of scripture. You're not, you can't be obedient in now. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to value these things, if we launch with, let's get as many people in the room as possible and then tell them how important relationship is. Now we're fighting an uphill battle. Very true. The whole time, which is fine. I, I, I have so much respect, um, for pastors who I know have fought that battle well and who shift a culture, um, especially in these mega church pastors that I know that I'm in a relationship with that have shifted a culture from programs and big event driven into relationship. That's, that's, I, I can't imagine, but that's a, a fight that I don't think I'm equipped for. And I think you're right. I think a lot of church culture says, let's gather people as fast as we can. And once we have that critical mass, which creates some financial stability, which, hey, uh, that's important. Yeah. Uh, now we're sustainable. Now we have financial ability. Now we tell people, okay, hey, you really ought to live in a relationship. But yeah. you guys have really reversed that. You're starting it from the very get-go, saying we're building a foundation that says relational discipleship is critical. And because it's critical, we're starting that way, and that's the foundation of our church. We are going to start to gather people, but in gathering people, we're going to attract more people. Yep. We're going to hopefully, because of discipleship, lead people to Jesus. Exactly. We're going to come to yep. a gathering who then we're going to put back into relationship with people. Yeah, that's right? what, what I've been, as, we, as we're preparing to launch services, what I've been consistent with our church now is we're not planting a church when we launch services. We have planted a church. Right. You guys are the church. The services are another way to invite people into you, the church, into the relationship and community that we've already built. So how long has it been since you have been uh, started down this path of, of starting to live in relationship in small groups? How many months are we talking right now? Uh, this is about 13, 14 months. We started in January 2022. Yeah. And now you're getting ready to launch your Sunday gatherings mm-hmm. on on Easter Sunday. On Easter Sunday this year. Yeah. Yeah. So that's quite a long process. This wasn't just let's gather for a couple months, uh, live in relationship, but really genuinely let's make this the priority and start as healthy as we can. Right. Yeah. And it it was to build, you know, I've said from the beginning, our goal is that when we do a Sunday morning service, people show up, they're not, they don't hear the handsome pastor on stage say, you guys should be in our small group. They get invited by 10 people into their small group Mm -hmm. because they, that's what they value. That's what the people in the church that are there already value is the relationship and the community that's being built. And so they're inviting people to coffee. They're inviting people into their group. Um, it's not just the guy on stage saying this is valuable, you know? Um, and it's, it's hard. It's different. Um, if we, I'll say this, you talk about, you want to get as many people as possible to gain some financial stability. If we didn't have churches like walkie and like, um, the Met in Houston and like Southeast and Parker, Colorado and like real life Treasure Valley in Idaho that were supporting us financially. And you guys serve on our management team too, which kind of functions as, as elders until we can raise up elders. If, if, if we didn't have you guys, we couldn't do this. And that, I think that speak, you got, it's all different denominations. It's all different um, theological training and backgrounds, all different sized churches, all different parts of the country that are committed to making disciples the way Jesus made disciples and seeing other churches do the same thing. And so I love being able to celebrate that with our church. Like you guys look around and there's 20 of you in the room and you're like, 
what's your job? I'm like, it's, this is my job, believe it or not. <laughs> they're like, there's 20 of us here. How are you doing this? It's because of support from other like-minded churches around the country. And I, I, I can't, I, that's so powerful to me. That is, it's the most kingdom-minded thing I've ever been a part of. Um, right. We could all sit around the room and probably disagree on a lot of things, right? Definitely. And, and figure out those things that we disagree on. And yet you guys support me, uh, encourage me, um, challenge me on things. And that my heart for the church planters I know who feel the pressure to get as many people on the room when they launch so they can have some fun. Like I, I wish they had what I had. A lot of them don't. I wish they did. We live in a in an immediate society. We want immediate gratification. We want immediate results. Uh, mm. I want to go to the gym and lose thirty pounds in the next three days. Same here, yeah. right? And I yeah. don't really want to put in as much effort. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't want to hurt when I work up wake up in the next morning. So we're we're kind of conditioned to let's make this thing go as fast as we can and 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 quickly get to certain points. But here's the reality in church world that also that also fizzles out a lot. And so I'm proud of the the method. I'm excited mm. about the method because you are you are building slow to hopefully recognize that this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yep. Yeah. As we start the process of winding this episode down, you know there will be people who listen to this. Uh, there are possibly people back in your area yeah. that are listening to this. Uh, you mentioned some of our partners in Parker, Colorado, or in Houston, Texas, or in in Treasure Valley, Idaho, in that area. You know. There might be people listening to this in a variety of passion uh, places. Uh, some will attend church. Uh, some might not be. Uh, there, there's likely mm. this gets shared with others. How important is discipleship? Mm. Explain to the listener why not just attending church on Sunday morning um, is is not the complete picture of what having a relationship with Jesus is like. Mm. What would you tell the listener uh, the value of living in relationship with other followers of Jesus? What's the benefit? What's the payoff? Um, man, the payoff. So I'll say this uh, to speak really quick to your immediate gratification. Um, what I'm learning about planting this way is what's true about discipleship too, and that it is thoroughly unremarkable. Right? Mm -hmm. It is not until it's remarkable. <laughs> and that's a great way to say it. Until that conversation happens, and we were just sharing these stories in your living room. These conversations happen. You go, oh my. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Can't they got it? They see it. They get it. I got it. I see it. I get it. Um, discipleship. I, the slow way that we change and grow. Um, it's how we're wired. It's how we're made. It's how. It's how. Uh, it's the reality of how God's created us. We were never intended to do this Jesus thing alone. Mm -hmm following Jesus alone. Again, go look at what Jesus did. He, when he decided, when, when God had called him to start his mission on earth, he didn't say, okay, see you guys Sunday. You follow me. You follow me. You follow me. You follow, was preaching part of that? Sure. Was teaching part of that? Sure. But then, you know, we, of, we often joke, one verse says, well, they, they traveled to Gethsemane. Well, that's a three-day travel. We don't know that, right? We're looking at, oh, it's only a verse. It was slow. It was methodical. It was difficult. Um, it took commitment. But it's how we're made. And when we try to short-circuit the way that we change and grow, um, 
it's not going to work. So God has made us to not do life alone. God has made us to do life in relationship and God has made it to where his Holy Spirit. So, so it's this really funny and I, I lived this way a long time, this disconnect. I believe theologically that when you place your faith in Jesus, God's Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. But I don't give you a voice to speak in my life. Well, who am I muting then? Right. Just you or God's Spirit inside of you. God uses other people to speak into my life almost as much, if not more, than the Scriptures. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, Because to myself... There's a temptation. I can, I can, I can walk in the flesh. I have my own woundings and my own issues and my own holdups and my own religion that makes me view things a certain way, makes me see things a certain way. Uh, I, the voices I choose to listen to, the preachers I listen to, the theologians I read, right? You're typically coming from one place, and yet we see in Scripture this model where Jesus called people to live in relationship with each other from the from the beginning. The disciples calling a tax collector and a zealot to live in relationship with each other. You think they, you think our culture is divisive politically? Those two guys probably hated each other's guts. And Jesus goes, you're both going to follow me, right? Uh, Peter and James and John constantly arguing over who's better and who's the best. And they're called to be in relationship with one another, with one another so that they could sharpen one another so that they could grow and mature and change. And so James could confront things in John, and John could confront things in Peter. Um, and yet, I think it's important to remember that what God's calling us to is really difficult. Jesus is the greatest disciple maker the world's ever known, spent every day with these men for three years and hung on a cross, and they all left him, right? It mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's easy. And yet, when he raises from the dead, what's the first thing he does? Goes right back into relationship with those guys. And what do they do? They just huddle together in a room. They don't know what else to do. And then again, he he ascends. He sends his Holy Spirit. What do they do? They spend time together. Paul goes into a community and plants a church. We were just looking at this last week in Philippi. Plants the church in Philippi. And they're going to go stay at Lydia's house. You know, and later fast forward, he's writing a letter to that church in Philippi. It, it, it is, again, thoroughly unremarkable. But remarkable things happen in that. And so, yeah, and go ahead. through his investment in them, for three years, and then the process of dying, raising again, ascending ultimately, mm-hmm. the boldness that that group ultimately went on to live like and ultimately give their lives for yep. uh, is pretty incredible. Yep. Uh, but there was a there was a maturation process they that had was to taking get there. place, right? Yeah. yeah and we, I think that's what's critically missing today in our world. We go, "Why well, go to Sunday school class?" Well, that's not all bad, and don't. And if you're listening, to this don't don't <laughs> I, don't send the email. I'm not knocking Sunday school, but the issue is, am I living in constant, maturing, intentional relationship with other people? Right. That's critical. Yep. And I think that's what's missing, generally speaking, in our world today. Yeah. The church world. And and my encouragement is, if that scares you, that's really good. Sure. Right. If it scares you to live an intentional, real relationship with people, it's good to scare you because there's some hold up there that there's there's that's a there's bondage there. There's right. healing needed. There's freedom needed. I can go sit in a Bible study all day long and put my heart. I can take my heart out and set it outside the door and just live in my brain. Right. Does that right. make sense? Right. I can't do that if I'm living in a real relationship with people because people are the worst, <laughs> myself included. <laughs> yeah. I. I don't want to hurt anybody, but I hurt people all the time. People I love that I'm in a relationship with don't want to hurt me. They hurt me. 
But then that's the work of reconciliation and forgiveness and all these things that the Bible commands us to do and talks about how great these things are. And it's part of spiritual maturity. It's what maturity looks like. It's what Jesus modeled. And yet I'm, I try to guard myself from the things and the relationships that make those things necessary. And so, you know, I, I really, again, my encouragement to anybody who's listening is if you want everything God has for you, you're not going to be able to do it on your own. God has not made the world that way, and, I, and it's beautiful. It's really good. He wants us to be able to mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. He wants us to be able to love people well, forgive people, be forgiven by people. Those are the most powerful experiences you will have on this planet. And you can only do it, number one, if you have relationship with Jesus, because once you know you're forgiven by him, right? Mm-hmm. This is just a forgiveness example. Then you're able to forgive others. But you can also only do it if you're in real relationship with people. And when we when we try to side skirt around the relationship, we're skirting around maturity and growth. Right. Eric, you and I can talk about this topic for, for hours, <laughs> and we'll probably uh, end the recording and continue having these conversations. Uh, that's just the way you and I are wired. Uh, but to a listener here, as we start to wind this down here, and, and uh, I know that we have had this conversation because of the way you're building your church. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have front-loaded relationship. So if somebody wanted to get a hold of you guys or check out your website, I know you were in the process of saying, hey, we're going to be updating this yep. here yeah, yeah. a little bit, or your socials like uh, Facebook. I don't know if you have any other mm-hmm. social media. Uh, tell a listener right now how could they how could they tune into what God's doing at Restoration yeah, Church in absolutely. Murfreesboro? The easiest way is going to be the website. You can go to myrestoration.church. From there, you can get to all our social media. There's links to all our Instagram and, and Facebook on there. But and there's a way that you can sign up to get a, a email newsletter we send out about monthly. There's ways you can support us on there, pray for us, find out more of those things, uh, give financially, all those sort of things um, there. So myrestoration.church is the yeah. is the best way to get in touch with us. If you're listening and you're part of the Walkie MC Church, uh, we're glad that you tuned in to this today. Uh, I wanted you to hear more about one of our partners, and so we're glad that you took time to listen. Uh, to those who have other uh, interest, and maybe this piqued an interest in what God's doing in, in this church, then I encourage you to tune in. Check out uh, the website, check out the socials, and uh, follow along with what God's doing. Eric, I am grateful for your friendship. I am grateful for you taking time to come up here and uh, share with us on Sunday. And uh, we're looking forward to what God's going to do in this partnership together. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris. You betcha. To the listeners, uh, we're glad that you tuned in. Thank you for listening today. Uh, We continue to wish you all the best and wish you grace and peace in your life. Until next time. Home the podcast is produced by the Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkiemc.org and clicking on the At Home tab. Thanks for listening.